welcome to Teachers Supporting Teachers. This is a podcast sharing insights into being and becoming a teacher. So I'm your host, Narelle Lemon. I'm an Associate Professor in Education at Swinburne University of Technology in Melbourne, Australia. And I'm curious and love to use this strength to find out more. So what better way to support others than to create this podcast series to be able to gain insights and perspectives from colleagues and friends. So in this series, series six of Teachers Supporting Teachers, we're doing something different again. Series six is an international collaboration. We're working across multiple universities in Australia and Malaysia, and we want to enable Australian and Malaysian pre-service teachers to be heard, for their voices to be listened to about what it's been like for them to train to become a teacher during a global pandemic. We have the overarching theme of well-being as future teachers, becoming a teacher during a pandemic. And we ask the questions such as, what does well-being mean to us, to you, to me? What does it look like, feel like, and sound like? What's worked? What hasn't? What have we learnt from others? Where have there been surprises in our own personal and professional growth? What new wellbeing practices have emerged? What does it mean to be a compassionate educator at this time? So enjoy this series as we glean lots of different perspectives and international perspective on what it means to become a teacher during the pandemic. Teachers Supporting Teachers, the final in our Series 6. That is a collaboration between Australian and Malaysian universities, hearing the insights and perspectives of pre-service teachers becoming teachers during the pandemic. In this episode, my colleague Siobhan O'Brien talks with Helen, a pre-service teacher who undertook a remote professional experience placement during the pandemic. And she talks about connection, technology, and optimism as the main themes that come through her experiences. So enjoy this episode. All right, so in this episode, we're connecting to the series theme, Wellbeing as Future Teachers During the Pandemic. And we're going to be talking about ways of navigating study and placement during. And now as we're post-lockdown, particularly in Victoria, Australia with the pandemic, a focus on personal wellbeing. So um, my name is Siobhan O'Brien, and I'm the course director of the early childhood and primary degrees here at Swinburne University. And I'm also a lecturer for the second professional experience unit where our pre-service teachers have a 20-day placement um, and work with um, myself and a teacher mentor in the school that they're placed in. Today, I'm speaking with Helen, who at the time of the lockdowns and pandemic was in the middle of her degree when the pandemic started. And she really had to navigate 
big changes in the way that we were receiving professional experience. So I, I invite Helen to talk about that as we as we move through the, the podcast. Um, and we're really grateful to hear about your experiences during the time, Helen. Um, but first, I thought I'd like you just um, to say hello and um, introduce yourself and, and we'll go from there. Well, hello. My name's Helen and I'm studying for the Bachelor of Education, Early Childhood and Primary. Um, I'm an older student who decided to return to study after 25 years in the workforce. So, yeah, that's just a Which bit about We're so that. pleased about because you bring a wealth of life experience as well, Helen, when you're when you're working with, with, our, with children in the setting and also what you bring to our classes when we have our, you know, when we're working with pre-service teachers. So, as a, you know, as a mature age student, you're certainly, um, you know, your wealth of knowledge is so important and, and, and we love that. We love that um, you've taken the plunge and probably even probably faced a few fears returning to, to study as well. Certainly have. <laughs> um, okay, so a little bit of context about um, our discussion today. And as the, the coordinator for our professional experience unit and also as the professional experience lead, um, I'm really aware that there was such a great um, sense of uncertainty when we were going through this time because at the early part of the, the time when the pandemic started, we'd actually ceased placements and we were actually delaying them right out so that pre-service teachers were doing academic portfolios and then doing a placement that was sort of less connected to our units. And then as the pandemic increased, schools became much more proficient at running their school classrooms online, which then actually opened up placements in a remote context. And we really had to navigate and work out what this was going to be as we went. So it was like, hmm, <laughs> what's this actually going to look like? So as as academics, we were supporting you in uncertainty and sort of talking through these changes and what that might be when you go in and you log in online and what that actually meant for accessing things such as you know, Google Classrooms and emails and all those other bits and pieces that needed to happen so that you could have some sort of success. And then also what that meant for mentors. So there were lots of things in play. And and you were one of those students which we were really we really loved your sense of enthusiasm. And yes, there might have been some hesitancy, but what that actually meant when we were in that placement time um, and then coming out the other end as a, as a successful experience. So let's head into some questions and, um, and let's have a little bit of a talk about that. So we thought we might focus on study first. So we're wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about this is study and, the, and how many units you talk and what that actually meant for um, resources that supported you, um, making connections with your learning and, and what, what, was, what actually made that success as you were sort of contemplating the idea of studying in a pandemic? Oh, very good question. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Studying through the pandemic was very difficult for me. Um, it was, I guess, um, I had been thinking about coming back to study for, you know, for years. And when I finally did, the p pandemic hit. So originally I had been on, enrolled for online classes because I absolutely hate technology. I um, enrolled in a full-time load, so taking four units. Um, but suddenly when the pandemic, um, when COVID hit, I just found that it did take a toll on me. So, you know, going, transferring to online. 
So I ended up dropping a unit and having three units and I think that that was plenty for me at the time because then we were also dealing with family issues and, you know, the uncertainty of the pandemic. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the, some of the resources, I guess, that um, helped me deal with it was the fact that I think Swinburne was pretty much um, prepared because they've got the online option that they do offer other students. Yes. Um, but I think... Um, the fact that the lectures and the students were all experiencing lockdown together, yeah. I think that that probably supported my learning because everybody was going through the same thing at the same time. Yeah, that's really true. I guess it's sort of like we're all in, wasn't it? It was like, it was. well, and I think, as you say, because Swinburne, we had two modes anyway, so we did have online students, which meant then that we could reasonably quickly and reasonably easily flick to the online component in the way that was already developed. So we could kind of go, okay, we've got this knowledge, we actually know how to set this up um, and, and we could sort of use our synchronous and asynchronous methods to make sure that everybody has still had access to the content and that then the lectures and all those sorts of things had a reasonable amount of connection, but they were still, I guess it was about having that information accessible, wasn't it? So that you could find what you needed um, and then to continue, you know, with assessment dates and those sorts of things so that you could still submit when you needed to submit. Yeah. And, and I think um, having, I think lecturers and the university were a little bit flexible with those deadlines as well, taking yeah. into account um, the pandemic, I guess, which was which was very helpful from a student point of view because it relieved that um, that stress of those due dates, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we it was kind of a, a whole university-wide policy that we were much more lenient with with due dates and being able to give extensions and those sorts of things and we were really keen to do it too because it just meant that we could I don't know just support you in a way that we probably weren't able to once yeah. um, which is now sort of flipped back to <laughs> the old policy well, um, I've done it <laughs> um, however yeah at that time I think there was so much uncertainty so at least yeah we could, we had some sort of you know the support from the powers that be that we could give that back to you in in that sort of unknown, you know, the known unknowns, I guess, that we could work with at least um, extension dates, which was really good. Yeah, and you also asked about connections. Um, I've got to say that I really didn't have the opportunity to make those connections because with the pandemic having started, I didn't get a chance to come into the university. Yes. So it was a little bit isolating, I guess, at the beginning. Yeah. But I was very fortunate because I did have family and great friends who were really supportive of my learning journey, I guess, of returning back to uni. Yeah. So I leaned on them a fair bit right at the beginning. Right. Um, and they're almost your champions, aren't they? They're kind of the unknown or un, unhighlighted people that, you know, they're sometimes in the background, whether it is family and friends, but, they, you know, if they're checking in or if they're, you know, you know, how can we support you? Is there something else that we can we can do to actually, you know, get you through to that, get that assessment in. That And, and those touch points are, are really key when particularly, I don't know, we've, we, we lost so much in particularly during lockdowns when we couldn't go out and we couldn't celebrate certain points and events, but there were still ways that we could check in with each other. Which was really good. And I, look, and I guess I also appreciate the fact that um, during that time as well, I was able to reach out to the University Counselling Service. So mm. they were they were another avenue that I probably 
pre-pandemic would never have even thought of talking to. Yes. But they they were quite helpful in, I guess, guiding me through that situation because there was just so much happening at that time. Yes. It was really good to be able to tap, to tap into that external source because sometimes there's certain things you may not want to share with family and friends, but talking yeah. to someone that is, I guess, less familiar to you, yeah. you can be a little bit more open in your discussions. Definitely. And it's really it's really wonderful to know that you did check in with the support services that Swinburne offers because, you know, as academics, we'll often put them in our emails and say another source of support is, you know, student advocacy or student wellbeing. And we don't know whether you follow those up, <laughs> but we certainly know we try and make them as, you know, as known to you as possible. So it's great to hear. It's really great to hear that you did seek that. Yeah. As, as I said, I don't think I would have ever considered it had it not been for the pandemic. But yeah. I think in light of what, everything that was going on around me, it was just a, a great resource. And, yeah, credit to, to you know, the lecturers putting it out there because I probably wouldn't have even thought of looking it up on my own. Yeah, that's true. And I guess it's also um, that, that sort of thing by tapping in um, and, you know, putting your hand up and going, hey, some extra support here would be really helpful. It then gives the university knowledge about, when they're looking at it as at a you know a statistical thing that they go oh a lot of students during this time actually did seek support like it, it highlights the need that it's like this isn't just you know something that's minor it's major like you said I wouldn't probably have done it before but you did do it and it's like yeah this is this is something that we really need to make sure that we um, capture and sort of celebrate as success but really acknowledge that people were in distress. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our placement because this is kind of probably where we really have some <laughs> shared points of um, experience, Helen. So um, perhaps you could give us a little bit of a an insight into the professional experience placement that you took during the pandemic. And I know that you've had one since that was um, – face-to-face, -face, but a kind of a little bit of a different context. So can you talk about that first, just to sort of set the scene? Okay, so I've, well, I've undertaken one uh, professional placement in a primary school setting. Um, I was placed, so during the pandemic, I was placed in a year one, two composite class. Um, all of the students' learning was a blend of online learning and home learning. So uh, work was sent out to them via email and they were expected to complete it and then send it back to the school. Um, the students' online learning was kept to a minimum. Uh, they they logged in at nine o'clock for roll call and what they call brain games, just to keep them engaged. Yeah. Um, then they had a guided reading session for just a small group of children. Um, and then they had a bit of a break and then they came back online for a 40 minute to an hour session of either, either English or maths. Um, and that was intentional teaching. So that was the only time of intentional teaching um, my mentor had with her class for the day. Right. Um, so uh, this happened four days a week um, during the lockdown. So the fifth day, which I believe was a Wednesday, was actually a well-being day for the children. So yeah. computer time for the for the students were actually kept to a minimum. They just logged in. Um, they had the roll call. They did the brain game, and then they logged they logged out for the rest of the day. Um, the school had sent out again via email some um, activities, either um, creative tasks or active tasks that they could undertake for that day. So okay. it was just about their well-being and not being on the computer five days a week. Right. 
Right, okay. So that was kind of the overall structure of how the remote context was for that. And that was school-wide, like that was a whole school approach? It was a whole school approach, yes. I believe, though, the higher year levels had a little bit of more contact time with their teachers, but this is the way that the the preps through to the year twos um, had their their time, their learning time. Okay, so that's really interesting. And what was the what was the relationship with your mentor? Like, how did that, that interaction happen? Was there, were there opportunities for one-to-one with your mentor? Or, or what, what, how did those sort of things work with the professional experience? I have to admit, my mentor was absolutely amazing. Wow. Um, for as busy as she was, and she was really snowed under, she always took time out of the day for us to have those professional discussions and to guide my learning as well. Yeah. So um, it, it happened either via email yeah. or she actually intentionally would leave an hour in her day where she'd say, this this time is for any questions you, you have to raise with me or any concerns you have about your guided reading sessions that you're going to hold tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so I've got to admit, yeah, she was absolutely amazing through the process. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the effort that she went to, actually, because I know how busy the staff were trying to modify their programs. Like the impression that I got was that their own well-being wasn't really being looked after yeah. because they were so focused on everybody else. Yeah. So given that and and thinking about all the things going on with being in lockdowns and those sorts of things, knowing that your mentor had made this provision for you must have been quite but quite extraordinary. Yeah, in that it was huge yeah. because, I mean, not only are they dealing with what's going on in the classroom and the modifications for their lessons, only having one hour of contact, so actually having to modify what they're teaching, but yeah. also what was going on in their worlds, in their homes and families. So they, um, my mentor had two children who were actually um, school-age students, so the they were constantly school. interrupting her classes, and they were in high school, mind you, yeah. interrupting her classes interrupting her classes, asking for help for their own work. Um, so, you know, I, and I think we we forget what else is going on. We see we see them as teachers or as mentors, mm. but they've got a life as well. They, you know, they're going, they were going through just as much, if not more, to yeah. what we were as well. So, yeah, it was really huge the fact that she would take that time out of her day. And I know that, um, you know, she took a lot on board to try and help me the best that she could. And it's incredible. What did a you know what a um it really extends that pedagogy of care in the sense that she was able to support you and and keep the wheels on the bus so to speak that everything else was still running beautifully and 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 just you know probably may, also makes you imagine a little bit like what it, what it would have been or how different it may have been had you had the opportunity to do a face to face placement with her in that school because it yeah it would have been a obviously another welcome opportunity had that happened. Well, I I guess the funny thing was, though, I mean, we did actually touch base on that, and she said to me, had we been in a classroom setting, I probably wouldn't have had as much time to spend with you. So in a way, I actually benefited from being online because the day is so busy and their planning time is so limited. I mean, there's a lot of contact time, obviously, with their students. Um, so she's like, you know, it would have been a couple of minutes here and a half an hour there. So 
Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that yeah, it would have been more ad hoc or informal, like you know, running between the the classroom to the staff room and having a quick debrief. <laughs> Instead, yeah, rather than that one to one locked in. Yeah, incredible. That's so cool. So, talk a little bit about the context of the placement that you've just completed, because I know. Okay, so the placement that I just completed was a zero to two placement in a childcare a, a childcare setting. It was look, I, I love it. I love working with the younger children, but there was a, there was some challenges facing. I guess after the pan- pandemic, um, we had um, a lot of children who were unwell, so were coming and going. We actually had new children orientating who had never been to care before. Yeah. But on top of that, they were also dealing with the fact that staff were unwell and were taking time out for for COVID um, reasons. So being isolated for the 14 or seven days when it dropped down to seven days. So there was a lot of inconsistency in staff. So that posed, I guess, a little bit of a challenge for the centre, but also for me as a student, because I never knew who I was dealing with on on any given day. Yes, definitely. So for the consistency of support, you didn't have it because of the, the illnesses and the requirements for the for the isolation needs. So that in itself, even though you've finally got back into a, a face-to-face situation, the, the pandemic is still, still having an effect. Yeah. But I, look, on, on a positive note, though, I guess for me personally um, and, and professionally, it was, in a way, it was good because it encouraged me to make um, uh, connections with, you know, probably educators I wouldn't have had an opportunity to get to know. So even though my placement was a 10-day placement, I felt quite welcomed in the environment and they did the best that they could. But I also got input from so many different educators who were at so many different levels in their own professional development. So, you know, I was working with people from Cert 3 right up to their teaching degrees. So I had that opportunity to have those discussions with them that I probably wouldn't have had if my mentor was there for the whole 10 days. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's called making the best out of a, uh, a difficult situation and a forever optimist Helen <laughs> but amazing and very adaptable as well I guess that you know like you said it's it's being adaptable and it's being able to you know make the most any opportunity that that comes that comes away which, which whatever the day brings and I know that we were off we weren't recording before but I know that and I really like the way that you you talked a little bit about the context of you know working with children who are birth to two and, and planning planning for, you know, as you would teach, you know, planning for teaching. And then when you're actually in the scenario, <laughs> you talked about how what you'd planned for, some of the children were asleep and couldn't do it. Like <laughs> Yeah. Well actually my focus children. <laughs> but you look, I, I think part of working and look, I think this will carry me through even in my, if, if I choose to follow the primary or, or the early childhood path, I think it is all about being very flexible and adaptable. And as you said before, just making the best of the situation. Um, for me, for me in, in my um, working career, I, I tend to follow very much an emerging curriculum. So I'm far more flexible than I guess coming in as a student and having certain objectives to fulfill is very yes. different to when you're actually in the setting where you yes. have that. So if an activity doesn't happen today, you can always do it tomorrow or in the afternoon because you're actually guided by the children. So you might go in there. You know, we had 
we had days where we'd walk in there and it was just an absolute shambles. The children were crying. We had new children, you know, orientating. There was no way you were going to follow through with your lesson plan on a day like that. Yeah. So it's just about, I guess, sitting back and reading the situation yes. and not getting upset if you can't follow your lesson to a T Yes. And just adapting it. Like there was even times where I had to adapt my lesson as I was as I was um, teaching it yeah. because I could see either the children weren't responding or they weren't interested. And then it's just a matter of, okay, well, what do I do next? And being spontaneous. And being spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we couldn't ask for more than that. And then, and like you said, just having happy children is the, you know, it's the key outcome, isn't it? But and, and, and if we're limiting ourselves to something that we've planned, well, then that's not going to work for no children or yeah and to be in early childhood look you you know the most important thing even before doing all the lessons is making sure and I know that we harp on about it but it is really about them feeling safe and secure yes because if they're not feeling that and if you're trying to do a lesson while they're tired or something it's just not going to work yeah yeah yeah, it's very very right yeah I would almost say it's Maslow theory, like, (laughs) let's satisfy their needs before we think about their learning. Excellent. Yes, big ticks. So um, moving on a little bit, um, thinking about um, your placement and and the experience of your course so, so far, what do you think has been effective as far as connections with schools or early childhood settings, university and peers. So where have those really deep um, sort of life, you know, connections and things like that that have helped you within the, in, within that sort of time? Um, look, uh, during look during placement, I felt like I was very well supported. Um, oh. As I spoke already about my mentor teacher being absolutely amazing, I think the university was also really good because they provide, um, during the unit, they provide the weekly catch-up sessions and I found that they were quite beneficial for me um, personally just because you could come in there and you could um, talk about your experience today being a positive or negative, uh, uh, seeing um, how other people are experiencing and just feeling almost like a sense of community attending those sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was actually really good, especially during um, the place that COVID placement, because there was no connections with anybody else in any other way, I guess. Um, also, with my peers, we had two other students who were at the school that I was at, right. and we ended up forming a little Facebook group, the three of us. Um, and again, it was all about just making that connection and, you know, reaching out to each other if we needed some assistance or guidance or you know, even just a vent, dare I say. <laughs> venting um, is good. The venting is definitely really important. Just having that chance to go, oh, my goodness, this happened, and then talking through that. Like it's like, you know, coming to a, a solution or just a chance to actually debrief is really, you know, crucial to making our way. I think the other thing that was interesting, which I guess I realised with this little Facebook group that we discovered is one of the other students, she was also in a one, two year level. So I guess had we been on um, on site, we would have quite worked quite closely together because these two teachers actually did work um, together collaboratively. Yeah. Um, 
But even when we were talking online, our experiences within what within our settings were quite different. So yeah. what her mentor teacher was asking of her was quite different to what my mentor teacher's expectations were. Okay. Um, so that was actually quite interesting just to even compare notes like that. Yeah. And then to talk it through too, sort of go, okay, yeah. well, your mentor's saying this, mine's saying this. How can we meet in the middle to even help help each other? Yeah. 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 Incredible. So thinking holistically about this whole experience, has there been anything that perhaps surprised you about your own personal and professional growth? Is there something that you thought, wow, my goodness, looking back on that? <sighs> yes, that <laughs> it's an interesting question. It, look, I'm very reflective. I guess, as a person and professionally. And I've always thought of myself as quite a strong, resilient person. Yep. Um, got, being exposed, I guess, to the pandemic, it made me question some of those values, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not quite sure what else to say about that. <laughs> okay. But I, I'm, I'm wondering maybe a little bit more pragmatically, like the idea of thinking about going into a remote placement, did you have any sort of hesitancy about that? Like, was it like, oh, my goodness, I'm not really quite sure if this is even going to work? Oh, look, uh, yes, look, I'm going to be honest. When I found out that my placement was going to be um, re remote, I went through, there were a lot of thoughts running through my head. Um, no, number one being that it was my first um, primary school placement and you know I was full of excitement and enthusiasm and you know I thought I'm going to go out there I'm, and I'm just going to you know I'm just going to embrace it all to yeah. all of a sudden being contacted and saying I'm sorry it's all online. Um, yeah. I think one of the challenges for me initially is one of my strengths is actually building rapport with children. Yes. So I it left me wondering how am I going to do that remotely? And that was actually a challenge because you do only have the children for a short limit at a time. And how do you get to know them beyond that superficial level of their likes and dislikes? Yes. Um, so that was quite an interesting, um, I guess, challenge because you're only really spending, you know, if you if you thought about it, it was really only not even a three-hour day, not even. Um, yes, that's true. So, you know, that's and true. every moment is very precious. So even though we did have that, we did have sort of like a question answer where they sort of got to know me, I got to know them. But again, I consider that a very superficial way yes. of knowing the children. It wasn't like you got to know them, you know, their strengths and, you know, on a deeper level or and what their needs are in that. Um, I and I think, yeah, I guess what you've highlighted there, sorry to butt in, but I guess yeah. what you've highlighted is that that's something that you can't replace no, you can't place that online. Yeah. I think yeah. the other the other um, thing that I, I, I guess I reflected on was the fact that I've missed the opportunities of actually taking lessons and running running the room because, yeah. again, that's something that you can't do online, again, yeah. with a limited amount of time and the, te the teaching time is quite precious. Um, yes. You know, you, you you know, it's all about negotiating with your mentor. But if she's if you've only got an hour of intentional teaching time, how do you navigate around that? Um, yes, and which is an important point. And and I'm wondering because of the the structure of the early childhood primary course, there are only two 
primary placement. So you've done one remotely. And the next one that you're going into is now your final ready to teach. It is. What are your thoughts about that? Well, again, I'm going to be very honest. It, I am a little bit stressed uh, about moving into my next primary placement um, purely because I feel like I, even though I appreciated the opportunity of doing remote learning, I feel like I've missed so much. So I'm actually left questioning, am I going to be um, ready to, mm -hmm. to teach a class? Because it is a ready-to-teach class. And I haven't yeah. had that opportunity to to plan for the lessons in an authentic way. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to run a class for, for a couple of days. So mm -hmm. I, I'm left questioning how am I going to deal with that when I'm actually on my ready-to-teach placement yes. and how much, I guess, support and understanding from the schools, from the, you know, it, it, it's very different. Yes, it will be different. And I guess it's going to be a number of those things, isn't it? And it's about communicating you know, professionally and also from a university perspective to our mentors that this is the scenario. And I think that if anyone's going to be understanding, it's going to be your mentor because they've obviously also taught through this themselves. But making that clear and making, you know, making that run up to, you know, those first few days and making sure that you're feeling supported and that you're feeling ready and that you're feeling able to take full control. And hopefully there'll be some really strong transferable skills from the placement that you've just done and also the remote that's that actually support you into this ready to teach. And it, once again, it's going to be that known unknown that we, we work through once you're in there. Yes. Um, and then I think the, the only other challenge, and I think I mentioned it before, was I'm not very competent on computers. So I have a lot of technical issues, even through when I was trying to teach my my guided sessions or, or that. Um, and But again, thanks to my mentor's understanding and patience, I think we, we muddled through it because she had been through it before. She, she kept assuring me that when she first went online, she was the same. Her classes kept dropping out and, and the rest of it. So she was really understanding with that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that were the three main concerns that I had going in. But you know what? Yeah. We muddled through it and <laughs> we completed it and, you know, <laughs> we, we moved forward looking forward to the next, you know, primary, primary placement. Amazing. Wonderful. So thinking about strategies and returning our focus to well-being and self-care, was there anything that you drew upon during this time, you know, regardless whether it was study or placement, that you used to really support yourself in a way that made sure that you were feeling, you know, as positive as you possibly could? Yeah. Look, I was really fortunate um, through the pandemic. I think um, I met up with friends. Uh, yeah. We're very lucky. I've got a um, park not too far from us. and it happened to be in the centre of both that five kilometre radius that we could both go into. So we'd meet up daily and we would just go for an hour walk and we would talk and she, she's also in early childhood. So we were able to discuss and um, discuss what was going on around us. And that I think was really, really good just to be able to get out there. Sounded perfect. Really does. It just sounds like it's the, you know, the soul soup, isn't it? It's that, I don't know, that connection and that, you know, there's obviously a, 
a trust there that you have with that person that you can just, you know, idly meander with conversation and it's a feel good. I think that yeah, that's a it really is. good example. Yeah. And and I think that, look, and I think it's all, well, actually both of us through, because even though she's not studying and, you know, it, every, look, I think it made us realise that everybody was going through the same thing and yeah. having those conversations actually just reinforced that we're not alone that yes. everybody was feeling the same thing and going through the same thing, um, yes. especially here in Victoria where we were, you know, we where we were locked down, we couldn't go, you know, move more than five kilometres. Really your only excuses for leaving your home was, you know, exercise or going shopping. Um, mm. Just having that opportunity, I felt, to be honest, quite blessed um, because not many people had that. And it was with discussions with other friends who fell outside that zone they felt quite isolated through the whole process. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So just to close, Helen, do you have one last tip that you think would be helpful for others who are listening and navigating study and placement? Yeah, and I, and I know that we've really kind of moved on from those severe lockdowns, but still within pandemic conditions, that would really help them continuing in their in their in their course. Yeah, look, I think I've mentioned it before, but I think the one thing, if I could just give any piece of advice, is just make those connections. Um, you know, if the university is offering, you know, sessions that you can go to, you know, to touch base, you know, yep. go to them. You know, they may seem like a waste of time, but really they're not because you're, you know, you're all in the same boat and you, you can share your experiences. You know, make, the, make those connections with your peers. I think at yep. the beginning, you know, being a bit of an older student myself, I sort of, thought who needs connections but we all do we all need that you know even if it's that one person that you can reach out to I think that would be my my one bit, bit of advice you know we're, we're part of a community yes. um and you know you, there's no need to be going through it alone you know regardless of you know how academic you are or what you may be going through at home you know just reach out I think that's wonderful advice Helen and we are immensely grateful for you for sharing your experience in the way that you navigated all of this so successfully and wish you the most excellent um you know rest of your time in the course and placements coming up we know that you're going to do really well and and it's, as always we always extend our support as as um academics um but you you you're you're a wonderful example of optimism and hope and just making your way through uncertain times so we once again yeah thank you so much for, for sharing your experience with us